Hi, I'm Kelsey Zeiser. Welcome to What's the Story, a short podcast from Light Reading where we take a step back from the most significant topics in telecom to tell you the latest news, how we got here, what it all means, and what to expect next. Today I'm talking with Light Reading's Phil Harvey, Ian Morris, and Mike Dano about new developments in the telecom industry's approach to deploying OpenRAN. The NTIA distributed $42 million this week in grants to AT&T and Verizon for open RAN testing. In addition, Ericsson provided an update on their approach to open RAN, and research group Del Oro provided new forecasts on where the open RAN market will be in the next 10 years. We discuss all this and more on the upcoming podcast. Welcome to What's the Story? I have Ian Morris, Phil Harvey, and Mike Dano here. It's packed. We had to bring out extra seats for everybody. Yeah, I <laughs> know. This, this is sitting in a small podcast player. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm supposed to get a seat? Cool. Oh, Just oh, sorry, riding Mike, around we, in these we, people's we, phones. It's really, it's cramping me. It's it's making my back hurt. <laughs> we, we ran out of budget for um, Mike's seat. You will get a... One of those stadium seats in the mail in the next oh, two to four weeks. Great. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Just keep keep a lookout for that. Be great. <laughs> well, thanks for coming to the podcast, everyone. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> Hope you're sitting down. Like right. and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> so there's been a lot of updates on um, not on seats this week, but on Open Ran uh, and. Uh, you know, it's been interesting to see that there's a lot of um, single vendor open ran, which seems to kind of go against the original dream for the open ran. Um, Mike right. or Ian, do you want to <laughs> do you want to kick us off in uh, you know a little bit of a recap of this week of of some of the big news around open ran? Yeah, I'll, I'll start because uh, we had some. I think the week started with some news here in the U.S. Um, because the NTIA issued another round of grants for OpenRAN, and they've been doing this for almost a year now, issuing different grants to different companies and um, universities and stuff. And the goal of the NTIA, so this actually came out during the Trump administration. They set aside a bunch of money to um, promote OpenRAN in the U.S. and globally, as a way of, you know, creating this wall wall against Huawei, right? Because they, they don't like Huawei. They want to create alternatives to Huawei. And the way to do that is open RAN. That's the thinking. So it started in the Trump administration, came into the Biden administration. Now it's being administered by the NTIA, just like every other spending program, including BEAD and everything else is being administered by NTIA. Anyway, NTIA has been issuing these grants. First, it was a bunch of to a bunch of universities, and then it's uh, sort of spread out from there. Uh, Parallel Wireless got some money to do some stuff. And anyway, the latest one that happened this week was that uh, NTIA gave money to uh, to the big uh, telecom carriers, AT and T and Verizon, and then a couple of other companies got um, a whopping forty two million uh, to do some more open RAN testing. Um, but it was kind of interesting because, you know, just before this announcement, AT&T made a big, uh, a big announcement about open RAN. And then, uh, just last week, Verizon made a big announcement about open RAN. And so now they're getting money from NTIA to do more open RAN testing. And, and they did say that they were going to test with, uh, companies like Mavenir and Fujitsu. So, um, that was, that kicked the week off. 
Yeah, and the week for me has sort of ended with uh, Ericsson doing its pre-Mobile World Congress update, which is kind of significant in the context of Open RAM because you go back a year even and Ericsson was very much seen to be, you know, not not particularly friendly towards Open RAN. Um, perhaps unsurprisingly, I think the idea was not just not not just for it to be a Huawei killer, but to give the industry options besides the other two big kit vendors in the market of Ericsson and Nokia. And yet all of a sudden, the biggest open round company in the world seems to be Ericsson after this uh, AT&T deal that it did last year, which is, I, did, I didn't clock it at the time, but obviously from speaking to executives, it is actually the biggest deal Ericsson's ever done in its history. It's kind of um, strange wow. that an open round deal is the biggest in a company's history because, you know, open round supposed to be mixing and matching and combining vendors. And yet they've, they've, they're now bigger in the AT&T network, I think, than they've ever been. They're taking Nokia. We've talked about this before, but they're taking Nokia out. They're putting Ericsson in. There will be other players there. I mean, Fujitsu's in the mix. We, we don't know to what extent, but certainly Ericsson is, uh, and this became very clear actually yesterday when they used the single vendor term themselves, they are the only player on the kind of DU software side and they're doing things like service management and orchestration and um, you know, a lot of a lot of the it's 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 only really the hardware I think the the actual radios where there's kind of the uh, the third parties kind of coming in. Um, if you get if you if you kind of extrapolate and bring cloud ran or virtual ran into into the discussion, which is a bit different, and I'm, I'm, I never really like it when people mix the two up, but the, there will be a part of this network at least that the idea is to use um, to do it on a cloud ran basis, so using Dell servers and intel processors and you know the idea being you can sort of share compute resources and um re-architect your network to some extent and realize some efficiencies there so so yeah g given that there, there there is there is some other kind of um involvement of of other companies in it on that basis but but it's it's pretty much a, a heavily reliant on ericsson deal um and the, and the, the theme i mean you you summed it up kelsey with it's not really what the dream was supposed to be. I, I, I think Del Oro came out with some research this week on LinkedIn where they're saying uh, by 2028 that the amount of multi-vendor open RAN, so really what open RAN should be, is, is going to be very small indeed. I think maybe as, as low as 5% of the market. And uh, the, the open RAN that we have is, is basically just um, not really changed anything and people are still buying everything from, from one big supplier. Did Ericsson um, have any kind of follow-up on, um, you know, we talked uh, initially after their partnership with AT&T on OpenRAN about them lacking some certifications for OpenRAN. Have have they remedied that or addressed it at all? They're, I mean, they they met, so they came out with a whole load of new um, hardware platforms Uh this week, like new radios that they're introducing to do with massive MIME. I mean, it's the usual thing. They they weigh a bit less. They're a bit more capable. There's a new ASIC that's in it. And and the, the message now is that pretty much everything they do will be open around compliance. So it's, I think they've, they've pretty much gone on record saying there's a couple of options for doing massive MIMO. There's one where you put more functionality into the radios and one where you kind of leave more of it in the DU when they're, they're not so keen on the latter. They want to they want to put more into the into the RU, which some people don't like because I think it's overcomplicating the radio. But it's still open. I mean, the Aaron Alliance reached a compromise on this. It would still be regarded as compatible. And the message now from Ericsson very much is that all the radios they do, so not just the massive MIMO ones, but the 4T4R stuff will be, you know, it will be kind of standards compliant. 
on this sort of who have you worked with, they're not saying. So this is the big issue, you know, but you get the specification, but there's still a huge amount of work that needs to go on integrating your systems with another player. That's that's the real effort. And I think AT&T was even saying this last year, I was at the Fuse event in Madrid and he's called Robert Sony. I mean, Mike, you, you, you may have met him. I don't know or spoken to him, but he's a executive involved on the tech side in this area. And he's saying the amount of money that gets, gets spent on integration and validation by the big kit vendors is huge. It's like one in three dollars of what they're putting into R&D goes on integration and validation. So to have this is this is what he was saying is that we really need operators to pull their efforts if we're going to do that job ourselves and kind of have this market where you can basically mix and match and make it all work. But what Eric, what at t seems to have done is basically make Ericsson the systems integrator on, on the project they're doing. So it's, yeah, there's a bit of a mismatch there as well. But er- Ericsson themselves are not saying who they've done testing with, which is in contrast to Nokia. I think Nokia's come out with a bunch of names. You know, we've, we've, paired ourselves up with Mavenir, we've paired ourselves up with Fujitsu. The only the only one we're really aware of in the case of um, Ericsson is Fujitsu. And that's pre-ORAN Alliance, really. I think that goes back to kind of 2018 that they'd announced them as a 5G some, partner. Yeah, that, that came to some deals they did in Japan with yeah. um, NTT, right? Or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so they've they've already done the integration work with um, Fujitsu and they know they can they know they can sort of run with them and m- make it all work. So it, that was another reason maybe to be a bit skeptical about the announcement as a kind of open ran one. It's, it's, you know, it's really kind of Fujitsu working its radios into the Ericsson system and making sure that it all, it, it, it all works smoothly, but it, it had been done a long time ago. They, they mm-hmm. kind of ticked that box. Um, Mike or Phil, do you have any thoughts on um, the NTIA, um, you know, granting funding for open ran despite the fact that it's not what i mean what do we even call it anymore? like i feel kind of silly calling it open ran honestly if it's just one vendor but oh do i have thoughts um yeah it's i mean they're what the ntia awarded was you know in this particular case was to fund wireless equipment testing and you know back to ian's point um it is an incredibly difficult and expensive thing to get multiple vendors, you know, and multiple types of equipment to interoperate in a, uh, in a modern network. Um, it's weird because there's a disconnect between what the government's intention is and what the market reality is. Um, I, I, I think it was a bit silly to hand money to the two companies that have commercially rejected open ran as a concept. Um, you know, they're sort of putting them in charge of testing it for interoperability for open RAN, which is fine. I'm sure they have the capability or they will, you know, when this is spent, but they clearly had no interest in it in their own networks, you know, from, a, uh, uh, you know, because they certainly have the, uh, the might and the expertise and the influence to move the industry in that direction. And they chose not to. Um, so, so from there, it, it's sort of a, um, you know, it's sort of a, don't listen to what they say, watch what they do thing. Um, you know, if you're looking at the NTIA, the NTIA is still, um, you know, like Alan Davidson, the administrator of the NTIA said that, you know, the tech, the tech marketplace, 5G tech marketplace, he, he said it was very consolidated and static market. And they were hoping to change that part of that consolidated and static status 
um, is a result of rejecting the, you know, ZTE and Huawei from your uh, available list of vendors. So there's politics at play uh, necessarily. The other part of it is, um, you know, handing the funding. Obviously, they want to hand the funding to American companies and not hand it straight to Ericsson or, or straight to Nokia or something like that. So they had to kind of go the carrier route. Um, and the other part of it is, you know, they're they're doing all of this in for the broader goal of trying to, um, you know, build a more resilient supply chain that includes more U.S. companies. I think that part is going to fail. Um, but they're also seeing Open RAN as um, a component of reaching everyone in America with some kind of broadband internet access. And I think that part still has merit. So, you know, obviously, if it's not, despite Open RAN in the US being kind of a commercial failure. I still think there's going to be open RAN networks in the U.S. that need to be built, tested, verified, stood up and used. But they're going to be very um, small and specific use cases. And a lot of that is going to be driven toward the goal of connecting more Americans or reaching into places that simply, um, you know, where the infrastructure was just outdated Um not good enough for today's broadband applications and that sort of thing. So I'm not crapping all over the NTIA's overall goal. I think it's, I think it still holds up. Um, it's just that, you know, like these things kind of with government funding and a more or less monopolistic, um, you know, uh, telecom industry, there's sort of a, um, you sort of, uh, there's sort of an impasse uh, with these things in terms of how much you can actually accomplish on the um, mm-hmm. the side of doing right by your citizens versus uh, doing what the industry tells you. Yeah. And I, I almost feel like um, sometimes when the, the government uh, awards grants like this, it's like by the time that they're ready to actually hand out the money, it's like turning a, a giant tanker or something. Like they don't have the ability to... <laughs> To refocus it. oh wait you're you're not actually doing what you originally said you're doing we've well, already and, written the check so and, and like mike was <laughs> saying you know these are these are um so a, a few of these programs that that were um, started to both broaden the supply chain and also establish more american dominance in the you know in the technology space generally these were started under trump's administration and then down you know, there's a $1.5 billion wireless innovation fund that supports, uh, you know, open networks. And then there's also the Chips and Sciences Act of 2022. And that innovation fund is, you know, that that's what funds the innovation fund I just referred to. And then the NTIA has got like $140 million of grants that it's been handing out in the first round of this, um, you know, of these awards. So there's a there's a lot of money being moved around or, or kind of pent up and earmarked for um, for a lot of progress. But the problem is um, the government's not equipped uh, to award this stuff and check up on those awards and, you know, do it at the at the speed that it needs to be done. And the, te- the American telecom industry is so 
um, for lack of a better word, you know, kind of tore up that there aren't that many American telecom companies of note that you can give large awards to that have the resources to absorb and do something with that money. So, you know, it's, it's that, that's the other problem is it's like, yeah, sure. You could give, um, you know, uh, I mean, I not, I guess not in the way that these things that, that these administrations want to make headlines. Now, could they, um, reconsider all of this and actually start funding from the ground up and actually, you know, get some startups going and invest in innovation, you know, in small, uh, in small companies and build those companies up and help them along. Sure they could, but that's, again, that's harder to do because it requires more people on the administration side, um, more people in those offices and more people to, um, you know, chase after and help the companies that are involved. So it's quite complex. And the government, also thanks to Trump, you know, has been understaffed and underfunded itself, you know, for going on six years, you know, because by the Biden administration is trying to catch up. But there were so few hires and so few posts filled during Trump that the government's kind of running at half power. So you know, you've got that in the background as well. You've got these uh, these awards that have been done on paper, um, but they're not getting put out in a timely way. And God only knows what the oversight's going to be. Um, well, God and Alan Davidson. <laughs> um, I'll give a slightly different perspective, if that if that's cool. If you don't fire yeah, me, yeah, that's don't. totally cool. <laughs> um, yeah, we won't take your seat back. Okay, good. Uh, you never got. <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, so I'd look at it. Uh, so if you if you look at it from the perspective of the initial 5G build out, like, yes, everybody open ran was not ready. No one did it. it. It wasn't a big factor. But if I think if you shift your perspective to a 10 year time frame, and that's the time frame that the NTIA is supposed to allocate that 1.5 billion is over 10 years. Um, they, they said they're not going to probably they're probably issue it faster than 10 years, but, but that's their timeline. So if you shift your view for a 10 year timeline, then I think the open RAN discussion is, is a lot different because now what you're talking about is like, you know, if you have a carrier like AT&T, um, they have a really big network already. And how do you implement open specifications over a huge network, you know, a hundred thousand radio sites potentially, uh, you know, it's just, it's not something that happens overnight, right? To, and, and, and to implement all of the different specifications of open RAN across that entire network from the radio on down to backhaul and core network and all that stuff, right? Like that's a really big process. And so of course there's, you know, very little that's happened so far because they were really working on just building out 5G coverage the past few years and open RAN specifications were brand new. And so that, you know, it just wasn't ready. But if you look at a 10 year time frame you know, in circa 2028 or 2030, uh, you know, maybe they do have a bunch of those open RAN specifications running in their network, um, which would then presumably open that network up to maybe not new hardware suppliers, right? Like maybe Ericsson continues to supply radios, but it is open to software. And there's a bunch of software startups that are out there that are doing things about 
you know, energy saving and whatever else. Or maybe you talk about servers and, you know, here's Dell as an American company. They're providing a bunch of the servers to run all the computing, right? Or, or, or you have a new way of doing backhaul and, and because the open ran uh, specifications are in backhaul. Now maybe you can put in a new technology or supplier there. Um, so in that regard, you know, is the, is the NTIA funding necessary? Maybe not, you know, maybe, maybe that specific source of funding is, is not super necessary, but I think if you look over a 10 year time frame, maybe it is a success, right? Maybe you do foster more, um, more suppliers that are domestic. Okay, so maybe maybe a little bit of wait and see. Are are we being too critical? <laughs> yeah, cause, cause in the near term, we we're all on a weekly time frame, right? Like we, right. we read stories every day, so we're looking at it from like what happens tomorrow. But maybe they're looking at it, you know, what happens in ten years? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I I probably get seen to be quite negative towards open round a lot of the time, or very skeptical of it. And if I'm, you know, I I kind of agree with Mike to some extent, and and I actually do think there could be a role for hardware vendors. To be honest, I mean, it depends how quickly they move with this swap out of Nokia equipment to the Ericsson plan. I this this is a what is it a five year contract or something? They've they've said they're not gonna they're not gonna do this tomorrow. So yeah, there's a possibility we see them not just introducing Fujitsu radios, but maybe maybe they do bring in some Mavenir, maybe there's other companies that get used. And and there's, you know, you've certainly got the optionality there, um, as well as software vendors. I can see that happening. I just I think from a a big picture kind of let's look at the RAN market and and is it going to change the structure of the market over the next 10 years? And are we going to see new players kind of dislodging Ericsson and Nokia? Or is it going to become more diverse? I'm I'm, I'm dubious. I mean, it's a shrinking market. It, it, you know, the RAN market, these are obvious figures that they've just come out with. Uh, last year, down 11%. The forecast this year is down up to 6%. You know, introducing new players into a shrinking market is a bit, bit of a weird one. Um, and it's a bit like the chip sector. You know, it, it demands economies of scale and huge research budgets. Um, I mean, one thing that, you have, that you've seen happen even before this kind of single vendor thing started to get thrown around by analysts was companies that started out doing one thing like Mavenir, for instance, in software have, have now got into radio design and they've got into systems integration. So the whole, the whole idea of open RAM was that you open up the interfaces and you allow specialists to kind of compete. Yeah. They can, they can focus on the one thing they do well and slot in to a network where they couldn't before they would have had to bring all the other stuff with them. But as soon as they, start doing radios as soon as they start doing systems integration it kind of defeats the whole the whole argument really it the, the whole premise is then flawed because they're just competing against ericsson and nokia on the same terms that they would have been as fully integrated companies so you, you didn't re, you didn't really need open ram then to to do it um the argument always was you can never really develop an ericsson or nokia from scratch it would be too hard to do but that is almost what we what people like Mavenir seem to think they can do. And they've not, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being overly negative. Maybe we'll look at it five years from now and Mavenir will have a big market share and they'll have a, a big presence in, you know, in, in some parts of the world. I know they're doing things with Deutsche Telekom in Europe and they, they do have a role in some projects, but I'm, I'm skeptical. It'll really change the game. I just think people are driven to, it will be very, very hard for them to compete with against the R and D budgets of, 
of the big kit vendors that we see in um you know in europe in the same way that it'd be very hard for someone to start doing general purpose processes from scratch and and compete against intel i mean maybe it's not the same quite the same undertaking but it's um yeah it's it's just a, a mammoth task i think and I, I sort of go along with phil i think where where it fits in probably is largely in smaller deployments you know rural areas maybe the enterprise sector we see more open round going on um but in in terms of the big the big um telcos and the deals they do i think it's still going to be the big the companies that we see now there's a bit more diversity you've got samsung in the mix they're, they're going to be there they're obviously gonna, they're obviously there to stay and they're a much much bigger deal than they were a few years ago um yeah. you could you could maybe say that's an, op- an open round success story but it's not really a it's not really a us one I mean, the big kit the big vendors in the tables at the moment aren't us right. companies the ones that have kind of come up the the rankings are Asian. They're, they're South Korean or Japanese firms. Well, that's why I was kind of expressing skepticism. Well, there's two reasons. I, I get the timeline that that the NTIA has expressed, but I also know that elections happen every two years for the you know for seats of Congress, and I know that they happen every four years for presidents, and I know that uh, companies report every quarter. So I don't think anybody else's brain is wired to handle a 10-year outlook on that technology scale because the people in charge of all those entities are going to be doing what serves their interest first as fast as they can. You know, that's just how it goes. Um, on the, the, so, I mean, maybe they may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe it does, uh, look like a more competitive marketplace 10 years from now, but at the rate things are consolidating and, um, you know, especially in the telecom equipment sector and the, and the competition from outside firms in general, uh, you know, more general purpose enterprise stuff is kind of passably telecom now um, as more things are going to the cloud. I, I, I think that might be um, more difficult. And, and, and that's why I was also making the point about investing in companies, you know, in the U S who are, trying to be specialists in those, uh, you know, various, uh, telecom equipment disciplines or, you know, so, or so, telecom software, because I, I don't see that the government is doing enough there, but, um, but on the flip side of that, it has done a great job, I think of funding, uh, wireless and open RAN testing facilities. So there are now a pretty big network of those around the country and those are very active and that does hold a lot of promise because I think um, a lot of the money that would have been wasted in the past on a single vendor integrating with another vendor and, and so on and so forth can now be um, can now be better applied to uh, um, I, I think a more um, you know commercial interoperability in these testing networks. And I think, you know, that, that, um, that maybe this 42 million, uh, that's being, you know, uh, handed to AT&T and Verizon as the, the lead carriers, you know, with a bunch of other partners, maybe that'll be yet another facility where, you know, a specialist in the U S can go to prove that their gear works with, you know, big vendors, small vendors, and in multiple use cases, and maybe that will fast track them to commercial wins in the future. And maybe that actually 
changes the game in 10 years. So I, I guess I'm holding out hope that it works that way around, but, you know, just given the, given the recent history, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably going to be, um, you know, senators and, uh, heads of companies doing whatever they want to do to, to either win votes or, uh, make their stock go up. As always. <laughs> womp womp. <I> know. <laughs> well, Mike, do you have do you have anything to lift us up as we <laughs> as we wrap up? <laughs> Not even you a little bit. You seem to have no. a more optimistic like say, oh, yeah. it's a ten year view. <laughs> it was like uh I mean you could totally take the opposite view. It, it, instead of lifting you up, how about this? It's it really could you could argue that it's just totally corporate welfare. Here's these like giant American companies that are laying mm-hmm. off thousands of employees and the government is literally just granting them money for some unknown purpose with very few strings attached and who <laughs> knows whether that's going to result in anything other than taxpayer money being spent. I don't know. I mean, you can make that argument pretty easily, I think. Um, <laughs> and we got bleaker. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it could be, but I do think, I do think these testing facilities are, um, are a bright spot in all of this. I mean, at least they weren't just handing it to them to deploy you know, networks or to turn on service, at least they're, they're, they're making them stand up a, a facility and a resource that arguably other companies and especially lots of academics can use to maybe get us to, you know, a better point where things are um, more competitive and interoperable and, and, you know, and maybe there's more technology breakthroughs that come from, uh, from those testing, testing facilities. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of a better way to spend it. And I do like as, as a person my, all my stuff is here in this country. So I I have a vested interest in (laughs) this country doing okay. And from that perspective, like I do want it, you know, I, I, I would be worried if there were only one foreign supplier for, you know, critical equipment for you, you know, utilities or 5g or whatever it is. Uh, so from that perspective, I, you know, I, I do want that thing to work. I do want domestic suppliers. I do want a diverse supply chain. I do not want to be beholden to, you know, other companies in other countries. So yeah, I hope it works. I, I think that's a, a good, a good place to leave it. And, um, you know, uh, Mike Dano for Congress, everybody, he, he hopes you do good. <laughs> he wants, he wants you to do okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hell of a campaign. <laughs> <laughs> His slogan is, eh. <laughs> Yeah. Well, <laughs> what would mine be? It'd be like, uh, uh, who cares? We're all going to die. Is that, is that, is that, is that in the ballpark? Uh-huh. <laughs> Sounds about right. I don't mean to sound that negative, but I, I think on. Ian's would, well, he doesn't even go here, but his would be. <laughs> <laughs> He's British. <laughs> I can tell. Oh. This would be, I don't like it. <laughs> I think. Something is that like about that. right, Ian? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> you guys are wrong. <laughs> Ian's got my vote. Right. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate you joining me on What's the Story and look forward to future updates on Open RAN. Thanks. Thanks, Kelsey. Thank you so much, Phil, Ian, and Mike, for taking the time to talk today. And thank you to our wonderful producer, Pierre Landrio, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more interviews and insights from the team. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.